and welcome back to Coding with Holger. So today is an episode I was really looking for and it took me some time to get the guest on but with me is, I hope I don't butcher your name, Marcin Moskala. Hi, how are you doing? How I'm, I'm great. You're, you're close to that. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how do I pronounce it correctly? Uh, in, in Polish it would be Marcin Moskala. But uh, I, I think this is the this is one of the best pronunciation I got from <laughs> from Western <laughs> words. Oh. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So I, I did I did have the pleasure to work with another Martin uh, before. Uh, so this is how I roughly picked it up, and uh, I was hoping it's it's close to it. Thank you. I always say to people uh, from other countries to to just call me Martin, like Mar- Marty Mac- McFly in the Back to the Future. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, will, I will do Martin then. It's it, it might might be less less awkward on my side and uh, less painful on yours. And it is it is it it is the Polish ver- version of Martin, isn't it? It's, it has yes, the same exactly. roots as this one. Yeah. Perfect. But we are not here to look into our in, uh, or in in your name's um, history. We we are here about to speak about my my favorite language and the thing I can't shut up about Kotlin. And uh, before we deep dive into it, so why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, so my name is Marcin Moskawa. Uh, I am, uh, hmm, how to say it? I am a developer since uh, childhood. I am an entrepreneur for like, I don't know, five, six years. And uh, I am a programmer, professional programmer for at least uh, seven, eight years, something like that. And I also am a writer who just, who is finishing his uh, third book. (laughs) And um, a big part of what I'm doing currently is is teaching people. So, you know, I actually love teaching. So I spent a lot of time on on, uh, sharing my articles so that people can learn about something and also on uh, teaching by myself. I I started a company uh, called KT Academy, kt.academy, where uh, initially I was the only teacher, but right now I, I started connecting more and more great teachers uh, and I'm trying to help companies find the best uh, teachers for their teams. Perfect. Awesome. And uh, this was my hook. So one of your colleagues approached me for KT Academy and I thought, A, it's a nice thing to speak about and B, maybe I can get you on the call to uh, speak about Kotlin. So how did you, how did you uh, quote unquote, end up with Kotlin? So what brought you in? Well, I was uh, an Android developer and I was really disappointed with Java. I actually think this this language uh, is uh, far from being perfect and I was tired of writing those getters and setters. I, 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 I hate doing repetitive tasks. So all those, all those um, things like uh, that you need to, all the boilerplate code that, that you need to write in, in Java was a real pain. I wouldn't say in what. And um, then I found out it can be better. I, I found out Kotlin when uh, it uh, hasn't been yet a known language, uh, at, at least in, in, in Poland. I, I was one of the um, one of the first to, to use it. Uh, and so I got in love. I, <laughs> I started uh, speaking about it, writing about it, and, and the whole story has started. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, uh, and, and I know the feeling. Um, I mean, a couple of the things with like getters and setters, I tried to work around with Lombok, but I, I'm not sure. Did Lombok ever work on Android? I I'm not quite sure. I, I believe you can you can do that, but you know that makes your compilation time quite long and everything quite heavy. Yeah, fair enough, definitely. And um, yeah, and Android was also uh, more or less the the, the well the rocket Kotlin used to skyrocket uh, when Google announced it, the language of choice, right? So when was this? A few years back. Yeah, I remember the day. It was it was a fun fun day because I was uh, together with my fr- watching it together with my friend who was uh, who is a much more experienced developer. And for me, it was like, okay, I, we are opening in champagne, uh, you know, it's, we, should, we should be very happy. But uh, he was he was actually very sad. He told to me, well, I, I just stopped being a hipster, you know, <laughs> <The> <laughs> Kotlin, <laughs> Kotlin stopped being 
uh, a niche niche uh, technology fighting for for its space and started becoming a mainstream and um, I, I I couldn't realize that, but uh, it actually changed a lot. You know, um, it was it was I, I really enjoyed the the Kotlin community before that time. Uh, after that, it it exploded. Like many people joined us, many people who who didn't care about it, and and the friend who who told that he he switched to Ethereum and blockchain. Yay! Okay, it's it's an interesting take actually. Uh, <laughs> to just stick with a language because it's it's hipster. It's not <laughs> interesting. Uh, so yeah, so um, let's m- maybe take a step back and uh, can you can you give some some what well, basic idea on what Kotlin is and where it comes from? Well, I I see Kotlin as a as how Java is supposed to look like. So I think if Java would evolve intelligently and actively since the beginning, it could end up with something close to Kotlin. But because it did not, and it did not because it mostly because it made some mistakes at the beginning, but also because uh, Java uh, wanted to be backward compatible, uh, and that's also not their fault. It's uh, it's the uh, this, the size of, of of the of the of the Java that blocked it. It it couldn't, and and uh, for me, Kotlin is the next Java. That's that's it. But actually, it's a it's a um, you see, it's 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 the same problem that you can see everywhere in in, in big companies, even in, in in countries. It's like the the size. Uh, makes it hard to change anything. You know, if you have a big company, changing anything is is very very hard. It's like you are you are swimming this this huge huge boat. That's it's really hard to you know navigate. And uh, uh, small companies or uh, small ideas can. Uh, it's like those small motorbikes that can uh, swim really fast and everywhere to 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 look for something truly interesting to look for gold and those uh those small motorbikes they found it and they grow and and uh, that's why the, the big companies crash the small companies grow and take their their place but then the, the new technologies and companies uh, are you know growing and take, taking them their place i'm pretty sure it wasn't the first thing in mind from JetBrains, which are the masterminds behind kotlin initially to target the jvm but with it being the first target, it was easy to adapt the language in environments. Well, one thing for, for Android, there we have a slightly different JVM, but still JVM. So it's like you you have this target you can you can go for. But also for me, my world is more more the background um, backend development. And uh, there, if especially if you look into large companies, they usually have rather strict. Uh, IT departments or ops departments, and they are happy if you tell them, "Look, just we stick with the JVM. Just we we, we use what we what we, are, what we always use. Just ignore the fact that we go with Kotlin. It will still be JVM. It's still you can run the same uh, maintenance. You can you can do the updates. Everything's the same. And uh, but then also saying, okay, and this is one of the things I think uh, Kotlin is. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but. Um, delivering on the on the promise java did uh, quite some years ago uh, saying write runs run everywhere and uh, with kotlin it's not the, the the jvm as the 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 driving bit but the actually you can compile into a windows binary a linux binary uh, or mac binary via llvm it can compile into javascript uh, you have the jvm as a target you have delvic with um, android uh, jvm being uh, as target and so there's a real cross platform there and you still have one one language plus the the uh, the things they do nowadays with with uh, the multi platform I'm things. not sure if this this is the case. You know, I I think JetBeans chose the JVM because they use the JVM <laughs> and um, their tools. And, and as far as I'm concerned, backend as well is is primarily developed in in the JVM. There are many dis- discussions. What was the primal primary reason to to start this project? But uh, as far as far as I know, that the clo- the closest 
to the truth explanation is that you know for a for a company that makes an IDE, it kind of makes sense to first make its own language so that you know you are the best on it. Second, make a language that is having the same API for a compilation and for IDE so that you do not need to do the work twice. You know, this was a huge problem in, in Java that the IDE needs to reason by itself and the compiler needs to reason by itself. Uh, in, in Kotlin, it's uh, one compiler that has two APIs uh, and, uh, and free make it multi-platform so that to, you know, <laughs> to, to, to try to have less uh, languages that you need to uh, support well. So I, I think that's, that's, that's about, uh, that's about the JVM, but uh, also the JVM. Okay. You said it's a, it's a, it's a big thing. It's, it is a big thing, especially in Europe, in, in Eastern Europe, in, in Poland, you know, I, I believe most companies, most tech companies run on, on JVM still. But if you, if you look at the TOP index, I know it's not a good measurement of anything, but, but it's a very famous measurement. And this year for the first time, uh, Python takes the second position and Java takes the third one. For, for years, the popularity of Java is, is, you know, sinking away. It's like, you know, it's, it's very clearly going down and, um, uh, we are saying that, that Java is dying and it's very hard to stop that. And I, I, I think that, uh, you know, Kotlin, f of course, uh, fits on, 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 on Java on, on one way, but on, 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 on some other way, it's all in my opinion, a rescue for Java, because those people who are now switching to Kotlin very likely would switch to, I don't know, maybe Python or, or JavaScript or some other language that, you know, uh, you know, didn't stay in the past. Yeah, but to be, to be fair, um, Java develops much faster now, but uh, yes, it is uh, kind of... A bit behind, and uh, there are some nice talks out there. Um, I think it was, um, the, the, well, at least the headline was provokingly said with uh, Java 19, will it replace Kotlin? Um, and yes, but I'm totally with you when you say Kotlin is, 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 is definitely the, the better Java. Uh, and yeah, so the story I heard actually uh, from about JetBrains creating Kotlin was to have their own DSL for their plugins in IntelliJ, which then ended up being this whole language. Um, so it's it's really interesting to see that there are different different stories out there. But yeah, you have absolutely good points with with uh, well, JetBrains is hands down the the best supplier of an IDE for Kotlin nowadays. So you said the, the the community changed when Google announced it to be the 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 language for Android. So what were the things you saw changing back then? What do you miss? What what got better? Or did anything get better? Well, we started having a constant flow of, of people using Kotlin very poorly and you can still see it. And uh, it's very, very common that you just see a project and you see that, you know, those people were never trained in Kotlin. Those are Java developers using Kotlin. And this is what I'm fighting with on my workshops. I'm trying to teach people to use Kotlin features, idiomatic Kotlin. And this is the, the biggest part. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a strange thing because pe people just, you know, start writing Kotlin like in they wrote code in Java and they, they think, oh, I know Kotlin. It's perfectly fine. But, but, but it's a, it's, it's they, their, their code is, is not readable. It's not leveraging the Kotlin features. It's not doing stuff efficiently. They are often, uh, they often have uh, troubles with, uh, uh, collection processing with, they do not know important functions like re require or check. They do not, uh, they, they do not understand how, uh, DSLs work, how property delegation works. And that's, that's something that, you know, you just need a few days to, 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 to learn about it. But once you do, you, you, you can, you can truly use the language much, much better. <laughs> I went through the same thing and I think I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere on this way because my background is more of a, uh, I came from Java and then went into Kotlin. But I think this is most of the people coming into the Kotlin land are interestingly either Java or PHP people. 
So I see a lot of PHP projects being uh, replaced by or extended by by Kotlin projects. And um, if you complain about the Java uh, guys uh, implementing Kotlin, you should see what the PHP guys do. I, I, I had a chance to, to see that. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you say, you, so you said idiomatic uh, Kotlin and, and the real features are, uh, are using Kotlin properly. So... When you compare, let's let's stick to Java and Kotlin. So when you compare Java and Kotlin, so where do you see the benefits of Kotlin over Java? So what what are your 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 favorite things? If you say you would have to go back and maintain a Java code base nowadays, uh, what what would be the things you would really really miss in uh, in a Java project because you you don't have Kotlin? So I believe there are small things and they are big things. So as uh, small things are those um, small, you know, blows of um, fresh air, like a data modifier that that is, you know, data modifier and you know, general uh, property concept. You know, you do not need to write getters and setters. Um, so that's a or extension functions. Yeah, that's, that's this is this is an absurdishly simple trick you know just an extension functions are just normal functions they are called in a different way you know called on an object instead of having objects as an argument so it's an absurdishly simple concept but the way how they are helpful is it's enormous so it's 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 just of course not for everyone it's it's mainly for 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 utils but also but also um, yeah that's 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 a that's really really nice thing to to have uh and those are small things. Uh, also, proper typing system, proper organized collection processing. That's those are nice things. But there are also big things. So I believe the big things are things not everyone is using. Uh, there are two primary big things, maybe three. Um, uh, definitely coroutines, something that is uh, there is nothing close to that in Java. And if you if you can use them in projects like like uh, Android projects, then you know that's that's a huge difference. Uh, DSLs, you know, again, not for everyone, not for all the use cases. Uh, although in Android, for instance, they opened the the way for the Jetpack Compose. They opened the way for making a Cradle configuration in Kotlin. They opened the way for very idiomatic um, uh, configurations in uh, some libraries. So. Um, it's not it's not for everyone it's not something that someone you know will just go into Kotlin and use straight away uh, but uh, those they, they make a big difference and the third thing is something that when I heard the first time about it I was uh, super excited I was like you whoa that's that's game changer and I'm talking about multi-platform development but um, over a time I'm 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 not so sure about that, you know, the, the time is, is, is flowing and uh, many people uh, believe in that uh, and uh, there are still many problems. It seems that this is not so easy. <laughs> so that's why I, I, I wasn't sure if I should list it here. Um, I know that some people use it with a, with a great uh, success. I also know that some people use it and they have uh, some, some problems with that. So that's something that's something that uh, that I think is a very important feature, uh, but it is also something that uh, needs to be. I think needs some more time. <laughs> I think officially it's still in alpha or beta, which is down to the, the the mechanisms itself. The language is is stable and won't won't change that. Much. Well, it will change, but not in the, in the sense of well destroy things but the whole um kotlin multi-platform for mobile kotlin multi-platform i think they are still considered alpha if i'm not completely mistaken but yeah you're right um so i've, I've heard both and I, I still want to try it out so let's let's stick into these uh these three because i, I love a lot of the examples with coroutines can you give a a description for someone who never touched something like coroutines or multi-threaded things. So the the idea is pretty simple if you think about that. By the way, I'm 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 now teaching a lot. I'm I'm writing a book about coroutines, so I'm talking a lot about this topic. <laughs> and um, the idea is fairly simple. Uh, the idea is that you can stop 
uh, a function in the middle, a coroutine more, more concretely, you can stop in the middle and resume it whenever you want. So when you, when you suspend it, this is how you call this stopping. It's like you have this save in a game, you know, that you can use any time you want to resume from the moment you stopped. And that's, that's, the, that's the pure idea, that the, the capability to stop at any point and whenever you want, resume from this point. And uh, the idea is uh, fairly simple and uh, is uh, present with us, is, is, is well uh, described by science, is used in some languages for, for years. It was implemented in Lisp already. But we didn't have a well-designed, uh, you know, mechanism for coroutine support practically until uh, a few years ago uh, when Go uh, introduced their uh, characteristic coroutines and Kotlin in a big part inspired on that. Of course, there were some parts of coroutines, you know, async await is a, is a coroutine because you can uh, suspend at some point and resume once the data are back. So resume and uh, await um, place. Uh, uh, the sequence builders uh, in many languages, in, in languages like Python, in Python, it's a, it's called generators. Uh, it's also a coroutine because you know you just get at some point, you know, let's say you need 10, 10 numbers, you iterate ten times, and then after ten yield, you stop. But you can always, you know, get back and ask for more numbers. Yeah, so that's a coroutine. So the idea is very simple, but uh, uh, Kotlin then implemented it really well, started experimented with different ways how it can be used and delivered as the library, Kotlin a library that uh, has uh, all those features well implemented with some extra features like a proper cancellation mechanism, proper scoping mechanism. They based on some experiments from many different languages and they like make the package of all that uh, that uh, really well fits different common uh, use cases for multi-threading, but also not necessarily for, for multi-threading, multi because for instance, uh, it is often used on Android, as, as we talk about this platform a lot today, uh, it is often used in Android to run everything on the main thread, okay? Um, uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not the best approach, but this is often used this way. And um, uh, used this way, uh, it gives us a possibility that, you know, no, it was very, very hard to do that without coroutines because, you know, normally if you run everything on the main thread, you can never block it. And, uh, and that's, that's the problem. So with, with coroutines, you have no such problem because you always suspend. And so you never, you never block the thread, you know, you only, you only suspend it. And that's, that's uh, opening us a, a doors for like very, very simple uses of external calls, async await and all that. Nice. Nice. Very nice. Uh, the next thing you mentioned is DSL. Can you, can you give a quick introduction to what DSLs are and why Kotlin is specifically nice in giving us the option to create what, such DSLs? So DSL is, uh, is an abbreviation from domain-specific language. So it is when you use uh, your, I mean, in, in your library, use your code to force, uh, to, to allow the user to, to express some, some, some data in a structured way that you, that you force. Maybe my, my explanation is not very good. I haven't prepared it. The, the thing is that um, you can express in the code whatever you want <laughs> uh, in the way uh, that uh, the creator of the solution uh, designed it. Uh, and uh, it uh, opens uh, a way for a very nice definition of a uh, uh, of, of, of configurations, of, of views, of, of practically everything. So, for instance, everyone who has seen Cradle have seen a Cradle configuration that is a DSL. It was initially implemented in Groovy uh, because Groovy also supports DSL creation. And so all those, all those, you know, configuration files is a, is a DSL in this scope. You can use a code you, you write in Groovy, even though many people don't know about it, but the language that you use there is Groovy. You can define functions and classes there. And, um, and uh, in the Groovy, you can use the structures that 
make up the configuration to, to configure your, your, your build. So the, the problem with Groovy DSL is that uh, it is not uh, very statically typed. It's not, um, it's not very helpful for the developer. The structures that you use there are hard to understand, are hard to check. There are no good suggestions. There is hard to see the documentation of the elements that you use. And um, this is what is changed by Kotlin because Kotlin DSL is, um, uh, is much more statically typed feature. It's um, more limited uh, also, but thanks to that, at every point where you write, you have uh, suggestions what you can do at this point. You have exceptions, uh, I mean, uh, uh, compilation errors if you did something illegal. Uh, and also, uh, you can easily jump into an element uh, to see its documentation. So that's, that's you know, much nicer. And the same, and the same is used to define views. So Jetpack Compose is, a, is a, also a Kotlin DSL. Uh, so all those functions um, compose a, a view in a way how views are generally defined. We can use code and we can define views at the same time. So Jetpack Compose is something uh, I also kind of try to keep an eye on because I, I like the idea that there is, I know it's early stages, but there is some movement around Jetpack Compose for desktop as well. And this would be a nice thing to have for desktop development. I, I know a lot of things are in the web now, but there are still there, there is there is still a niche for desktop apps, more or less. Nice. Um, I couldn't have done it better. So you, you didn't have to prepare. It was a nice description. I would have taken the same example with Gradle. This <laughs> is the one many, many of us use, or at least saw. The last big thing you mentioned was multi-platform. Um, so what's your take on, on, on multi-platform, from, if you would describe it? So uh, how, how does it make multi-platform? I mean, it's like JVM is multi-platform, right? But what, what, what is Kotlin multi-platform in this, this context? Oh, the, the way how the word multi-platform is understood is different in terms of Kotlin and JVM. So the, um, we, we say that, I mean, at least I say that uh, JVM is, is, is portable, meaning that it can run on many different operating systems. But in terms of how Kotlin understands a platform, JVM is a single platform. So the, the, the point what, uh, in here is that uh, Kotlin is a compiled language, uh, just like Java, uh, Swift, and many other most nowadays languages, uh, meaning that there, it has some compiler that, um, that compiles this language into some simpler language, you know? Most, mm, many modern languages are compiled into the, uh, into the bytecode, and they are running on the processor, on the, on the native machine, you know, like uh, C++ and, and other native languages. Uh, JVM uh, is compiled into a JVM bytecode that is running on the virtual processor, <laughs> virtual Java uh, machine. And, um, and so Kotlin, just like Java, is, is compiled into this uh, JVM bytecode. But also Kotlin team introduced a capability to compile exactly the same code into JavaScript code. And so, of course, if this code does not use any external libraries, it's, you know, per perfectly fine to run it in both platforms. If it uses some, uh, some concrete, uh, some libraries, uh, then you need to have a library uh, from a, a concrete, uh, for a concrete platform. And uh, later, uh, Kotlin team also introduced a, a capability to compile Kotlin code into native bytecode. I mean, it's not necessarily this way because they use LLVM, etc. But we can we can s simplify it by saying it compiles Kotlin into a native code. And of course, there are many platforms there, you know, because the code can be can, can be compiled to different systems and machines. Uh, this is how you know native native uh, word uh, works. But nevertheless, the, the the essential idea is that Kotlin can be also com compiled into a, a native a native code. And uh, the, the the third capability was very important for uh, Android developers because right now we can have uh, code that is compiled both into the JVM and so that can be used on the uh, Android applications and is compiled into the 
uh, is compiled into something close to Objective-C and uh, uh, can be used on uh, Swift, on, uh, on Objective-C, on iOS applications. Uh, and uh, this starts, uh, I believe this is the, the biggest branch of this approach, not the only one. There is a second branch though, to use um, uh, this Kotlin, Kotlin multi-platform in the backend projects to have a shared parts between your JavaScript and uh, backend code. But um, since... Um, JavaScript uh, evolved a lot uh, and um, is not staying behind anymore. I believe people are not pushed so much to to use that approach and uh, I, I think it's currently not uh, very, very popular. Maybe it will be once uh, Kotlin will better interoperate with, with TypeScript, but um, currently it, 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 it is still far from perfect. But the branch with um, multi-platform mobile development uh, is something that is, uh, seems very promising. Um, I believe it's uh, in most part used to have some shared code, uh, something like libraries. But it can also be uh, used to include more and more, including uh, business logic, even, even some parts of your view. Or maybe even your whole view definition, if you if you would make a, a framework for for writing, you know, views on on the common modules. It's it's a really really exciting journey. Uh, Kotlin started there, so um, I did some digging in there, and it's like all the things. At least I got used to things like simple like a UUID generation or deserialization, serialization. Out of the sudden, this needs to be portable. And um, out of the sudden, it made sense to have things like Kotlin X uh, daytime, Kotlin X serialization as uh, what well, separate projects, because now we are talking cross-platform, same language. And um, so when I, when I say I want to generate a UUID, this needs to be doable on to stick with the with the example javascript and and uh, as a web and web front end browser javascript and back end and kotlin this needs to be working on both sides so this this was interesting to see that this brings a whole lot of new challenges and a new uh, uh, a, a huge ecosystem which needs to be built and uh, a lot of projects coming on to to tackle this so it's 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 really interesting to see but i think this is definitely something that could give kotlin the extra edge to uh be even more relevant than it is today let's let's assume we 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 came to the point where there is there's a common java developer who just listens in here and now he is really really tempted in to get into kotlin so what what are the points you would you would hint him to do besides taking your course to to look into so what what, what are the the usual suspects when it comes to don't do this because this is java and not kotlin mm. I, i'm not sure mm. I think that the Kotlin documentation is really good. So it's something worth reading. It was actually really good uh, since the beginning. You know, I often, uh, I, I read it all when I, when I started Kotlin, maybe even twice. I also heard some comments about it. I, I remember at least a few times I, I had a situation when I was on a Scala conference when Scala developers were talking to themselves that they should have a documentation like Kotlin do, you know, so good as, as Kotlin do. So, and even in some presentation, you can, you can find it. So, so Kotlin documentation is, is famous for, for, for being uh, really, really good, really, really well written about using Kotlin idiomatically. I don't know. There are plenty of talks about that. I, I think you can, you can easily, you can easily find them. <laughs> I'm 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 not I'm not sure what to say more. I, I, I like for for whole my workshop. I'm I'm trying to you know introduce uh, the best practices uh, when I introduce feature how to use it, but I'm not sure how to how to find it externally. Okay, fair enough. I was just trying to get some information out of you. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, right, and for a no, let's let's phrase this differently. Would you recommend Kotlin for start for, for people starting their career? So would you say, okay, if, if you're looking, if you're open for a new language, 
pick Kotlin? And if so, yes. Uh, if yes, why? And if no, why? It all depends what's your starting point. So I think Kotlin is a is great language to learn if you are a Java developer. It's a natural next step and it's a, it's a fresh air. <laughs> I think uh, Kotlin might be a good language if you know something about development. Yeah. So if you, uh, if you are a programmer, if you know what are types, how to use them, etc. But if someone is an absolute beginner, I don't think I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it to that person. And I'm saying that because I have, I have a few friends that I helped start with programming. And uh, when you seriously see the person who knows nothing about programming and uh, thinks how to help this person, you know, start that uh, career uh, as easily as possible, because this is a very, very hard path for everyone, no matter what you choose. That's a very, very hard path and you want to make it as easy as, as possible for those people. So I, I generally recommend either JavaScript or Python because they, uh, there is much, it's much easier to start with them. And, um, I, I believe, uh, people who know less about them can more easily find job. You know, if you, if you start with JavaScript, Okay, now modern JavaScript has quite a lot of features, but you do not need to understand them so well. You do not need to use them so so early. And also, if you are good in CSS and and HTML, uh, you are already of a great value for your for your team. If you start with Kotlin, you need to learn a lot. You need to learn about uh, types. You need to learn about all those great features. We love them as developers. Yeah. Stuff like data class, start like stuff like uh, property delegation. We, we love them, but for, for, for a starter, those are, those are many, many things to learn. <laughs> so the, the, the path is, is, is much longer, I believe. Uh, you mentioned property delegation a couple of times. And um, so can you shortly explain what it is and what it's good for? Oh, so that's a, that's a very simple feature, but you know, for, for most people it looks like magic. So an example, property delegation is, is lazy, is uh, observable, uh, vetable and not now. Uh, so um, most people do not understand how does it work while it is actually very simple uh, under the hood. So uh, it comes from the idea how Kotlin sees a, a property. A property in Kotlin is getter or getter and setter. So a property as a conceptually is represented as a as functions, either one of two functions. It's like an interface. And so uh, an interface can be delegated into an object. So when we use this property delegation, it's this by keyword, then we are delegating this getter or getter and setter, uh, depending if we are using val on var. Uh, we are delegating those uh, functions, uh, those uh, into a function of an object. So if someone calls getter, get value from the object is called. If someone uses setter, set value from the object is called. And that's, that's, that's all it does. You know, the, um, the object takes the responsibility of the, uh, of the property. So the idea is very simple, but this opens a door for e extracting a common algorithms around properties, something that couldn't be done before. So this, this lazy property is a simple example, but uh, injecting values is another example. You know, most uh, Kotlin dependency injection, not formal name, but let's, let's call them this way, like uh, coin is uh, they, they are using property delegation to inject values and that's that's convenient that's nice and that's that's great you know more and more libraries use property delegation for uh, some persistence and that's also great i even introduced a, a few a few example uh, libraries uh, to store things on shared preferences in, uh, in this way and uh, that can be that can be really really uh, simple you know it's 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 all about extracting a common algorithms about uh, around uh, properties uh, with this feature hmm. you answered so much i'm i'm, I'm getting out of questions <laughs> Uh, it's not about Kotlin, but you might, uh, we might talk about, uh, you know, how the waves of technologies are, are flowing. Be my guest. Yes, please. I see Kotlin as, as, as the wave that, you know, 
I, I caught, you know, <laughs> accidentally maybe because I, I just, you know, myself uh, wanted to uh, be with that wave. But uh, I, I think it's a very good metaphor that um, as, a, as a, an advice for, uh, I would say, mid-level programmers to, to, to look for such waves, to, to, to find something that, that, you know, they seems to be a future and, you know, they can can help push and also can uh that can push their careers as well (laughs) and uh, i I think that's a that's an important part of our of our job you know catching those waves (laughs) and uh well seeing seeing the opportunities i think it's i hate to do it but it's it's the best example i can come up with uh it's if you look into the javascript world um so there is there's still this 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 saying where uh the average what lifetime of a javascript library is two weeks so every two weeks you can have a new wave coming in and then this is maybe something you don't want to jump on but getting this feeling for something to jump on because it is worth it uh it's it's hard to explain why you do this or why we do this but it's this this is i think the the trick in not jumping on everything just because it's new and shiny and just because this one big company or this one fancy company does it it's more about this is something i can get behind with and this is something i like and this is something i want to work with and it seems to get some traction and um yeah, this traction thing is not always to spot because especially at the beginning, I mean, there, there are new languages invented every day and some of them make it, some of them don't. And um, Python is another nice example. If you look at it, it's like uh, Python was always, in, depending on the niche, Python was always the leader and, and, and especially uh, it made their their uh, name in um especially data science but this i think this is more down to because python was always used especially in in scientific environments so at universities you you, you get these these uh these python courses uh python is especially made it feels like uh for for automating things so this is where you pick it up and now after years and years and years of, of kind of, I think it was in in in, uh, in this index. I think it was usually somewhere in the middle, wasn't it? It was always kind of. It wasn't really last, but it wasn't wasn't really on the top. And uh, now it's it's just it's it's exploding. Well, one is because a lot of the the whole data science, machine learning, all the things belonging to it also exploding. But the language itself also gets some traction through this. So it's it's always it's you never know. And then. But yeah, I, I like I like the metaphor here, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I I agree that you know the uh, your your wind when you are when you are swimming is it's supposed to be your 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 passion and your feeling in a big part, not necessarily just the hard logic, because um, I believe that you know in in the in the hard logic there is there is often a many misleading things you know, and it's likely that if you follow the the pure logic that the big companies are before you because they do analytics faster <laughs> and um, I, I i do agree that that uh, following what what you what you would just would love to use is uh, is a really good heuristic because uh, you this way you can find something that is a, a true gold because before <laughs> before it is exposed to others and also uh, what you what you said about this uh, you know there are small waves and, and big waves you know and on the big waves there there are small waves as well so <laughs> oh yes yeah 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 it's not always going just uphill <laughs> definitely and not the, the it is like a it's like a huge wave that's i'm i'm not sure if if it's not slowly, you know, going a little bit down, but, but the AT is, I mean, not in terms of people, in terms of people, it's still developing, but in, in terms of, you know, the, I, I'm not sure if it's not around the, the top of its, of its importance. I mean, whatever will be built next, we'll, we'll build on that, but we'll not. So maybe I will, I will elaborate on that a bit later. So there, 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 there are big waves like, uh, like Python and uh, many, you know, things around that, that depend on this wave and big, big wave like mobile development and many things around that, that depend on this wave. I actually think that uh, outside of IT, the data science is a, is a huge uh, wave that is, you know, uh, getting, uh, friction the data science the machine learning 
but also I see a, a, a huge wave that is very, very small right now, but, but I, I think it's arising. It's about the biotech, you know, because the uh, CRISPR introduction um, changes everything uh, in the, in the biotech industry. If, if I, if I read a serious science articles in this uh, sphere, nearly all of them use the CRISPR and this, this technology is, is still having a lot, but a lot to offer. And of course, this all based on IT, you know, uh, it can work only because of the algorithms and the gene calculations uh, that will work. But, you know, that's, uh, I think, the, the next big wave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's a huge field. If we even stay within the borders borders of uh, of IT. So my wife studied, has her master in bioinformatics. And um, so I looked into this and I had no idea what this is about. And uh, we are in the stage where, especially in, in biological studies, we gather so much details and information and there's so much new things we find, but there is nothing which is just there to process it. We work on it. And uh, it's it's getting more, and there there are new methods found, and all and all these things. But it's it's it's, it's like like still an untouched area. One thing is the the actual biotech itself, which gets more and more interesting. The findings we get out of it to to actually process this and to actually make interesting uh, applications out of it. Not not applications, not necessarily in the sense of a program, but more in the sense of using this in a meaningful matter is something which will be more and more interesting, especially in times where we have uh, increasing uh, temperatures and and less water uh, in total and all these things. Uh, but you also have to be a rather special kind of person to work in this field so especially if you go into 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 just just studying um or in, in what's the, so if you work if you're not studying anymore but you still work at, at universities you have to be really resilient especially when it comes to finding uh, like contracts which run for longer than half a year, a year and then you have to find fundings again and then you have to run for the next uh next project and it's it's, it's like contracting on on steroids and uh is sometimes it moves slow and sometimes it's moving so fast it, it, it it's it's interesting to see so a good friend of ours um my wife met her when she was uh doing her masters actually in, in bioinformatics and um she's currently doing her phd and if if whenever she she starts talking about it it's like what the hell is going on <laughs> so yeah it's it's an interesting field yeah yeah, yeah I, I think it's both. I mean, of course, there is a lot, but lot to you know discover there. It's like we have such a tiny piece yeah. uh, of, 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 of what we can discover. And that's, and that's why I think it's a huge, huge wave to arise. But at the same time, we can already see how uh, it influences our world significantly. You know, just take a look at the COVID vaccine, you know, it wouldn't be possible uh, to make it so fast, not even close, not probably it wouldn't be possible in do that to do that in less than 10 years without bioinformatics. I, I think it would take much more than that if they would need to do that manually and uh, and uh, test uh, everything in the in the classic uh, way. So 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 it's already it's already very important for the world and it's just getting Friction. And it's also very connected to data science because it's just, you know, an, an aspect of data science and it's based on IT. So it's, it's not that, you know, it's a new thing. It's just, you know, the child of a child of IT. <laughs> so, yeah. The same as, as IT is just a child of mathematics and. Yeah. And it is a child of philosophy. <laughs> Exactly. So, what I just wanted to go to a point, even philosophy, right? And uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's always interesting to to, to see these waves um, in in these areas because it's something it always feels far away. But it also reminds me of back in the times when I started, two thousand five. Back then, I, I knew that I can do front end, but I'm definitely not the best in doing it. And there are people who really enjoy doing it. And if you ask me to put this thing five pixels more to the right. I might come to work with a sports bag and I'm not really sporty. And uh, But back then, no one was actually taking any money in their hands and was paying for a front-end only developer in a map agency. You had to you had to do everything by yourself uh, in, in, in one person. And then, like overnight, 2008, 9-ish, roughly, 
everything switched and then people were, were going crazy and looking for front-end developers with at least five years of experience or more uh, and then they, they couldn't pay enough to, to get them and it's, it's, it's always it's, it's, it seems to be always the same and this is also yes IT comes in waves but it's also kind of a closed circle also if you look at how we do computing so at the beginning we had these huge centralized computing rooms and, and buildings then it got smaller so everyone got a computer under the desks and the servers in their own desks and now we move back into a centralized huge building where everything runs like we, we call it public cloud nowadays and um, so let's see when the, when the movement goes again to the next stage which would be we all have our computers which uh, I think with, with edge computing uh, now being a thing where uh, it's like getting getting computing power closer to where people request it we are not far away now uh, to say okay we every, everyone gets a, a little box into their homes and then processing is done on there and then you have it again decentralized this is the circle but the technology behind it seems to be waveform it's really interesting and sometimes annoying I believe that the future of, of IT is deep integration with the culture. So uh, you said at the, uh, some time ago that uh, the, you need to have a special character for, for to become a bioinformatic. Yeah? This is exactly what they say about programmers some, some time ago. Yeah? And, now, and, now, and now it's changed. You know? Now it's like the, those, those pictures when you see uh, a, a, a programmer and a wood chopper, you know, some time ago, like a programmer, you know, in this in this suit and wood chopper in the hipster look like and now the, the exact opposite you know the wood chopper in the suit the, the programmer like a hipster and uh, and uh, I, I it's uh, it's it's well seen you know the the programmers are are, are you know good health young people uh, happy have free time uh, going to many you know extra exercises after that going to a gym and enjoy their life you know uh, and they are everywhere they are literally everywhere i i, I checked the statistics for the for my next book uh, in uh, poland there are uh, uh, 300,000 uh, developers uh, out of 30 uh, seven millions of people uh, in Warsaw itself. Six percent of working people are developers, are programmers. Six percent. I, I believe the uh, the most, the biggest percent is in Krakow, where there are many universities. F Fifteen per percent of the of the working population are developers, you know, programmers. So that's 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 a lot, you know. And I think and uh, all the estimates said that, you know, there will be at least 10 more of them say like 11, 12, 13% increase every year, you know. That's that's 30,000 developers every year. And uh, you know, if you if you scale that scale it up for a few years, you will see that like most people are becoming developers. It's already, you know, a 6% in Warsaw. So how, how is it possible? I think it's the same possible as, as with many other things that we do, like in, with a language, uh, English, we, we speak in English. I'm from Poland, you are from Germany. You know, one of my university teachers asked us, hey, who is speaking English? Everyone like turn, uh, put their hand up. Who is, who is speaking Russian? Like maybe some people, you know, who is speaking French, you know, like maybe one person and who is speaking Latin, like nobody. So like 30 years ago, everyone here would speak uh, Russian. For 30, uh, hundred years ago, everyone would speak French and then, and 200 years ago, Latin. You know? <laughs> It's, it's normal. I mean, it's, if it, it's not even that long ago. Um, I was the first year in my school. Uh, I wasn't allowed to do Russian because so I grew up on, on, on the previous eastern side of Germany. And there it was normal to have Russian as, as, as a foreign language. And then we had this transitioning time. And uh, the year before me was, was still having like an optional Russian course. I didn't have. And then after me, think... I think there was a Russian teacher on uh, back in the school then, um, and then it was, but it, it wasn't it wasn't mandatory anymore. But but this was more of a choice then rather than uh, you have to. Um, and with this also came you have to do English on the Western 
parts of, of, of the world. That's the language. And then yeah, you still have the people saying um, you, you might want to start learn uh, Chinese or Russian because uh, they're coming. Uh, it's not, not the sense of war, but the sense of uh, taking everything over. And uh, while well, people-wise, they might win. <laughs> yeah, I will definitely yeah. make my, my kids learn Chinese once I will have them. <laughs> It's uh, to, to be fair, um, the, especially the Asian languages, they are interesting because they're completely different to what we speak and how our language work here. Uh, it's it's not only in the way it's it's written, so it's, it's a completely different different style of writing, but it's also in the way of how how language works. So for us, it's really specific in one language more and the other less. But there is 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 down to how you say things. And um, how you pronounce things and, and all these. I mean, we do have parts of this in our language. And then I, I know a bit in, in Polish is also sometimes a bit on how you pronounce certain things. And I won't say the word which comes to mind. So depending on where you are and what, how you pronounce it, it might be something not so nice or something just slang. But there it's, it's part of the culture on, on how the language works. And um, so this is fascinating, and it, it, it always holds me off to learn it because my wife is originally from Russia, but is I tried, but it's a horribly complex language. It's a fascinating language, but it's horribly complex. And then in in Chinese and and Japanese, you you, you go into how you say something, or matters sometimes even more than the, the actual vocabulary you try to use. It's yeah, sorry just geeking out no no I'm, i'm familiar with those languages you know and uh, my my fiance speaks uh, chinese quite nicely of course not to talk about philosophy but you know you need to spend a lot of time to talk about philosophy she's speaking fluently spanish as well and uh, i i think she wouldn't have any problems speaking about philosophy in, in spanish when 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 we were in spain many spanish people were actually believing she she's initially from 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 spain and they couldn't they couldn't believe she's she's from poland and she learned that in in poland um, and uh, i don't know she she spent maybe not as much time but a comparable amount of time on on chinese And that's barely enough to, you know, speak about very, very basic stuff, you know, like order something and have some basic help in the city. That's a really, really complicated language. Uh, but I think even more complicated is Japanese. I have a friend who, is, who are living there for years and learning like every day. And uh, I, I, they, after years, like literally years, They, they still do not understand everything from a, from a, you know, channels for, for childs, you know, like this simple, simple channels for childs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is, it's really interesting. So yeah, lots to go. And um, which to, to bring back to the, the, uh, the topic to, to technology is also something with, uh, if, if you look at how we advanced on, on, um, automatic translations and and getting closer to the star trek universal translator it's not quite there yet especially not how they explained it but um i mean for, for basic things it's getting much better i remember when we moved back to germany after a few years in, in the uk we had uh, a driver who helped us with moving all the things and he was a polish guy as well really nice chap And um, but he had he didn't speak any English or any German. Well, he did. He had his smartphone and he was talking uh, his or speaking his his Polish words into into Google Translate. Gave it a second, turned it around, and then uh, we we essentially got the the written translation for it. And it was close enough to understand what he wants and the same way around so essentially when we wanted to explain something to him we did the same thing with his phone and just say okay they are oh, no with elephants actually but anyways um uh, we from from um english into uh into polish and it's it's getting better and better and uh there's also something where a lot of things move rather fast And still there's loads and lots of work to do to get this onto a more sustainable and, and a more more effective way of doing things. So it's, it's uh, yeah, everything leads back to IT. <laughs> 
Right. Um, so let's 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 wrap this up as as much as I would love to to go on, and uh, maybe we get the chance to do this again. But one one of the questions my guests have to go through when they are on for the first time is uh, what would be an advice to your younger self. So, well, one is a stretch goal. Uh, well, one one is a minimum, but you can have some stretch goals in there if you like. I I think the the advice would be to enjoy your time. Uh, and by that, I do not mean doing something else. I mean doing exactly the same, you know. I, 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 I wouldn't change that because, you know, it led me here. <laughs> and I'm, I'm quite happy about that. And uh, the mistakes are made I apparently have to make. <laughs> and um, I, I, I wouldn't stop myself from doing them. Uh, I, I, I think I haven't done anything terrible. I've, I think I haven't done I, anything I didn't uh, at least try to uh, fix and to, how do you say, like to repair. <laughs> I feel that I, I, I like my history. <laughs> I just could, I, could, I just could uh, enjoy the time a bit more. And that's actually something I often see uh, people doing like developers young developers they are very um, uh, you know they want to learn something and that's great learning is great it's a great feeling but they want to learn it so much that they are stressed and frustrated and 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 often angry and and you know doing that you know unhealthy and they could do nearly exactly the same thing without all those emotions, you know, just enjoying that. Uh, because the fun thing is that most people um, who start being a developer, they find out everything they do not know. They start learning like crazy. And uh, after some years, they, they know most of what they needed to know. And either they, uh, either they uh, developed a hatred for learning on this time and uh, stop learning and that's that's really bad for them in the long term or they or they didn't <laughs> and uh, if they didn't i believe they they still find learning as something great uh, uh, i think learning is natural for us uh, it's, it's it's good for us it's healthy for us and if they, if they can still do that and feel that well then they are in a strange situation when when they when they just stop learning when they want to learn they have nothing important to learn and they just you know they just take a look at what you know all the time on the back then and they think oh my god like it's i could enjoy that time a bit more you know it's it's like when you are trying to reach the when when you are climbing a mountain it's it's not about being at the top it's about the travel if if a person is constantly thinking why the hell i'm not in the top why the hell i'm, I'm not in the, the top the person is not enjoying the time but and, and once the person is in the top the person spends there a few minutes and and looks for another for another peak you know so the the point is to enjoy where you are and <laughs> and walk the walk the way uh, with a calmness and with uh, with a good emotions awesome awesome advice definitely would second that great really love it and the second question i ask um, especially when you are on for the first time is uh, where can people find you and i will extend this question this time when is your next book coming out <laughs> so um you can find me on the KT Academy. It's a kt.academy. Um, or you can just type Mar Marcin Moscala uh, in, uh, in uh, Google uh, and you, you can probably find me. Uh, I'm giving their workshops um, about my next book. So I think you won't be very um, happy uh, about my next book in, in terms of the topic we are discussing here uh, because I decided that I want to help people from outside of our um, of outside of our world to uh, to join us to become developers so I, I wrote a book uh, in Polish that's a, a Java, JavaScript for absolute beginners uh, and, okay I will uh, delete this I will delete this recording immediately that's it okay oh, yeah, sorry go on. I, I also I also would like to make another variant of this book that will be Python for absolute uh, beginners I, I wrote them because I believe those are the easiest languages to start with 
and all the chapters from the book are shared um, on on the KT Academia's articles for free. Uh, I will also uh, I'm also making a so- social action when I'm um, uh, founding uh, founding um, uh, buying um, uh, thousands of such books with a, with a special label uh, like give it to the next person. Uh, it uh, sounds better in Polish. It's Podaj Dalej. And, um, uh, and with an instruction and, and everything that, that you should, you know, just read it and give it to the next person. And I'm just giving away thousands of such books. But uh, I, I am also in the process of writing another book. That's, this one is about Kotlin Karutins. So, <laughs> so this one might interest you a, a bit more. I will also be sharing some parts of it on the, on the website, on the KT Academy. Uh, and uh, I will probably finish it in in few months from now. Perfect, awesome. So give me a shout when it's out. I'm happy to promote it with uh, with all I can, and um, I hope we, I hope I can get you back. And um, yeah, so this would be f- everything from me. Any last words? <laughs> no, not really. Thank you. <laughs> it was nice to be here. Thanks for being on. I really, really loved our chat and uh, hopefully see you soon. Thanks. And that's it. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you liked it, please leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. And if you have any comments or want to get in touch, please send us an email to contact at codingwithholger.fm. See you next time. Bye-bye.